0: Welcome to AlcoPharm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I'm an associate professor of pharmacy practice here at the Bill Gatton College of Pharmacy at East Tennessee State University. Today is June 20th and I'm recording this podcast from my office in Mountain Home, Tennessee. Today we're going to talk about some recent approvals uh, for Pembrolizumab. So Pembro picked up two new approvals in the last couple of weeks. Let's get right into it. So on June 10th, The FDA approved pembrolizumab for the first-line treatment of patients with metastatic uh, head and neck cancer who had received no treatment uh, or uh, head and neck cancer that was unresectable and recurrent without any local treatment options. Sub-approval. The the approval is in combination with platinum-based chemotherapy, so PEMBRO plus either CIS or Carboplatin and 5-FU, or as a single agent— and those who have a pdl l uh, one composite or combined positive score greater than or equal to 1. Um, so let's stop right there. You may not have heard of this combined positive score. With uh, Pembrolizumab, we're most used to the TPS, the tumor proportion score, and you may be familiar with, uh, PD we commonly would just say a PD-L1 above 50%, but that's uh, 50% of tumor proportion score. Those patients above 50% with non-small cell lung cancer, for example, would be candidates for single-agent pembrolizumab uh, up front for metastatic non-small cell lung cancer. This approval is uh, a new term called combined positive score, and uh, the folks uh, in the drug company have actually... Um, presented this, I think, at ASCO 17. You can find an abstract where they kind of go through their methods of developing this combined positive score. Now, this approval, these approvals for head and neck cancer are based off of the Keynote 48 study, the final analysis of which was presented last month at ASCO's 2019 annual meeting. So 882 patients with head and neck cancer that that was either metastatic and untreated in the metastatic setting or recurrent with no local treatment options, meaning radiation was not a, uh, an option, probably because they had prior radiation uh, or uh, surgery was not an option. And they're randomized in a one to one to one fashion to one of three arms single agent Pembrolizumab, 200 milligrams every three weeks for 24 months. So two years single agent Pembro or Pembro plus uh, 5FU. 1,000 milligrams per meter squared per day for four days, or cisplatin 100 milligrams per meter squared on day one, or carboplatin at UC5, so typical platinum dose, or what's commonly known as the extreme regimen, so Tuxmab uh, plus platinum plus 5FU. So one to one to one to those things. Now, uh, this Keynote 48 has been presented at ASCO, and we have the uh, the updated package insert, but it has been published in a peer reviewed journal. Um, the, the ASCO abstract talks about uh, a, quote, sequential overall survival analysis looking first PEMBRO plus chemo versus extreme chemo. That's the, the three drugs, cetuximab, platinum, and 5-FU. Uh, then a second overall survival analysis of PEMBRO plus chemo versus extreme, but only in those with a, a combined positive score uh, above one. And then a third analysis, which was single agent PEMBRO versus extreme in, in all patients. So let's go back and look at... We'll go these one by one, uh, since apparently these were the, um, the priority. So the first overall survival analysis that was planned was Pembro plus chemo versus the three lot, three agents of chemo, Cetuximab, Platinum, and 5-FU, uh, in those with a combined positive score of more than 20. I, I missed that. I, I forgot to say that before. So again, very complicated. Let me repeat this. Pembro plus Platinum plus 5-FU versus Cetuximab, Platinum, and 5-FU, uh, and those with a combined positive score above 20. That was the first overall strata analysis, and they um, a priori, I guess, set a one-sided uh, p value of 0.0023. Now, in the package insert, it says in Keynote 48, patients were randomized uh, or stratified in randomization by PDL1 TPS score greater than or equal to 50% and they were, quote, retrospectively reclassified based on CPS. Um, I don't know when that happened. I don't know if that happened in the middle of the study based on some internal analysis saying that CPS is better than TPS, which I guess is okay. It would be problematic if they retrospectively reclassified them after they had all the data and then went back and just looked at who did well and then designed... um, Uh, this new CPS, uh, this new combined positive score, because if you just look at what happened in the past, that doesn't mean it's going to be predictive of what happens in the future, which would be a problem, but uh, I suppose we'll have to wait for the publication. So in these patients with this combined positive score of more than 20, median overall survival was 14.7 months compared to 11 months with the, the straight chemo arm. So that's, you know, Almost a four-month improvement in median overall survival that was statistically significant with a hazard ratio of uh, 0.6. P-value is 0.0004. Okay, sounds good. Toxicity roughly equivalent if you look in the package insert between these. Okay, the second sequential overall survival analysis was Pembroke plus chemo versus extreme chemo in a CPS score of greater than or equal to one with a, uh, a cut-off of a one-sided p-value of 0.0026. Now, uh, I think that uh, biostatistician uh, purist would say it's problematic to have a one-sided p-value. Um, you have to be extremely confident, from what I understand, if you're going to do a one-sided p-value, that there's only one direction that you could see a benefit, that you are... Extremely confident, adding Pembro would be better because you lose the ability to see if uh, the non-Pembro arm could be better because you're basically cutting your p-value in half uh, by looking at um, uh, by looking at just a one-sided. So, in those with a combined positive score more than one, the median overall survival with Pembro. Plus platinum and 5FU was 13.6 months compared to 10.4 with extreme chemo. Again, almost a three-month improvement in overall survival hazard ratio of 0.65 uh, with p-value less than 0.0001, which is less than the cutoff of 0.0026. Now, the third goal overall survival analysis, and this is from uh, the abstract presented at ASCO, was single agent PEMBRO versus extreme end patients regardless a PDL l one combined positive score. Mean over 11.5 versus 10.7 months, and that was non, statistically non-significant. Uh, P-value was 0.0199, which was above the, um, the pre-specified uh, alpha value of 0.0059. Okay, a lot of numbers there, so let's break that down a little bit. So Pembro plus chemo was better than chemo in um, those with a CPS above 20, uh, you know, almost a four-month improvement in median overall survival. And those with Pembrolizumab plus chemo versus the three-agent chemo, uh, CPS above one, uh, almost a three-month improvement in median overall survival. So not quite as good. So we see this idea of the enriching biomarker. The more PDL one that's expressed, the better Pembrolizumab does. And then if you just look at everybody, regardless of pdl one status with Pembrolizumab by itself, Uh, versus the extreme chemo, uh, there was no difference. Okay, now, you might recall, and this may be hard to follow because we're so deep in the weeds here, but the FDA approval was for Pembro plus chemo, so Pembro plus platinum plus 5-FU, but also Pembro single agent, but that was only in those with a CPS above one. That was not, so this is now a subgroup analysis of the third overall survival sequential Uh, Analysis um, where they retrospectively reclassified PDL1 status. So, in those patients receiving single agent Pembro with a CPS of more than one, median overall survival was 12.3 versus 10.3 months. Uh, And for those with a CPS above 20 receiving single agent Pembro, 14.9 month median overall survival versus 10.7 month. And both those p values are statistically significant. I won't give you the actual p value because I don't know what the Specified were if they were even pre specified. So, just to kind of wrap up, you know, our thoughts here this extreme chemo of cetuximab, cisplatin, 5FU is, you know, the standard for non nasopharyngeal um, head and neck cancer. That's category one by the NCCN, so, uh, you know, a valid c- comparator. Um, it's not been published. This one sided p value um, perhaps allowed them to look. Um, at more uh, to do more analysis than maybe they could have otherwise, and maybe are able to squeeze out some more uh, quote statistically significant p-values. And then this retrospectively reclassification of PDL1 uh, might be cherry picking based on the results they had. Toxicity seems about the same to what we have seen. Um, so that's pembrolizumab um, for uh, upfront for head and neck cancer, probably something that that folks uh, will be seeing in their communities. The second recent approval for pembrolizumab is for metastatic small cell lung cancer, uh, who have received patients who have received two previous lines of treatment, one of which having to have been platinum-based. And this was an accelerated approval based only on response rate. This is based on two studies, Keynote 158, which was a phase two basket trial, and then Keynote 28. Uh, in uh, one of these cohorts or one of these studies, patients received the standard 200 milligrams every three weeks, and in one, they received 10 Mgs per kg, uh every two weeks, so you know, pro- basically a five five times the dose of the typical pembro, uh, and they continued treatment until disease progression or intolerable toxicity. 83 patients combined between these two uh, between these two studies and 16, of the 83 patients had a response, so that's an overall response rate of 16%, uh, a 2% complete response rate, which, which is probably two of those patients. So of those 16 patients who had a response, uh, 94% of them, so that's probably, what, 15, uh, had a response that lasted at least six months. Uh, 63% of them had a response that lasted a year. And then 56%, percent that would be nine patients had a response that lasted for 18 months. That's a year and a half. So while the response rate was low, you know, less than 20 percent, although 20 percent in the third line setting is nothing to sneeze at, you know, you're talking about nine patients. I'm doing the math right now. Nine divided by 83. It's a 10 percent chance of going a year and a half with a response. So while the chance of response is is right at 20%. Uh, The chance of having a very durable response, so the disease responding for a year and a half, is 10%. So for those who do respond, they do respond very well. Um, As we just talked about with head and neck cancer and maybe this combined um, positive score, is is there a way to figure out the patients who are gonna benefit the most from this? Um, Now, in third line treatment of small cell lung cancer, There's probably not um, uh, many options beyond immunotherapy in the third line setting. So even if patients uh, maybe didn't have a chance of responding, if that was your grandfather, you probably would want that drug offered. Uh, If you were the insurance company, maybe you would rather narrow uh, who was going to benefit only the most likely. Uh, What's unclear is, uh, or it's very likely that these patients did not receive immunotherapy up front. In fact, that was probably an exclusion criteria. So how will this approval play out in the, in, in the current set setting where most patients with, uh, with extensive-stage small cell lung cancer are going to be treated first line with tizulizumab plus chemo? Uh, another question uh, awaiting answer, and, and we're getting uh, a lot of answers with immunotherapy, but, uh, but we also still have lots and lots of remaining questions. Uh, we've moved pretty darn fast in this immunotherapy era uh, with regards to pushing these treatments up front pretty aggressively. Uh, and we've seen those good responses, um, and we've seen good results. As I talked about last week, that five-year overall survival analysis from Kino 1 of Pembro for, for non-small cell lung cancer seeing 25% of those patients alive five years later was pretty, pretty remarkable. So we are seeing some great things uh, with immunotherapy, but lots of questions remain, at least in my opinion. Uh, and then finally... The Pembrolizumab packet insert is now 76 pages long. So if if you somehow have to do a monograph on Pembrolizumab, there is a ton of stuff in the FDA label to go through. So good luck. Uh, well, that's it for this week. Uh, we're coming up at the end of June. I'm going to uh, have a podcast for those of you who might be going into a PGY2 oncology uh, residency I got kind of an ask onco farm about advice for someone going on to a PGY2 oncology residency. So next week's episode is going to be a little bit about that and then we've got holidays coming up. So onco farm will be on a little bit of a uh, taking a step back as far as current events, but we there will be pods coming out every week. Um, may not be current event focused, but there will be something in your feed to listen to for those of you who for whatever reason listen to this podcast. And those of you who do, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at PharmDietnip. Follow the podcast at Pod, And you can follow me and the podcast on Instagram uh, at the same uh, handle, Pod. Most of the posts are podcast-related. The stories are kind of uh, personal life uh, as an academic pharmacy faculty member with kids. Um, you can also go to the iTunes store, give us a five-star review and rating, listen to us on Stitcher, all that place. You know the drill. Thanks for listening. And remember doses matter.